This is Language Made Difficult, a counterfactual part of the SpecGram podcast. Welcome to our Linguistics Roundtable Telesymposium. I'm Trey Jones, and joining me today are the rest of the Ling Nerds, Bill Spruill. Hey. Keith Slater. Great to be with you. And Sherry Wells-Jensen. Hi there. Also joining us on the program is Jason Wells-Jensen. Welcome, Jason. Thanks for visiting with us. Hi, thanks. I'm in a whole different room from Sherry because it's just, it's just safer that way. Okay. <laughs> we'll keep that in mind. <laughs> So let's start off with some lies, damn lies, and linguistics. So I've got three language-related items. Two of them are true and one is false. And you guys have to figure out which is which. And after you make your overly educated guesses, we will discuss. The theme for today is the anti-theme of hodgepodge, meaning these are the leftovers. Item number one. The Yoke language of Papua Indonesia, also known as Bitovondo, is named in English after the Tokpisin word for joke. Item number two. Sesotho, spoken in South Africa, has a complex numeral system where 1 to 5 are adjectives, 6 to 9 are verbs, and 10 is a noun. Speakers usually use English numerals. Item number three. In 2009, speakers of Chia Chia on the island of Bhutan in Indonesia were without a writing system and so adopted Korean Hangul as their writing system. All right, who'd like to go first? I'll take a stab at it. All right, first of all, the thing about Sesotho having a complex numeral system I'm willing to believe just about any language has a complex numeral system because the minute you've got numbers and morphology, things can get weird. I'm also perfectly willing to believe that lower numbers are adjectives and higher ones are verbs or something else. So the Sosotho one, I think, is true. The Yoke language of Papua, Indonesia, makes me wonder if there's a town named Indonesia in Papua New Guinea, too, just to maintain balance. But between that and the Chia Chia language, I'm going with the Yoke one being the fake one. Chia Chia sounds like it's does have initial consonants, final vowels. They're not very complex syllables. A syllabary might work really well for a language like that, especially if it's one that lets you indicate a few final consonants. I think Hangul would work well for it. Okay. Who wants to go next? Well, I'll go next because for a rare occasion here, I want to disagree with Bill. So the yolk language, I had always thought that was named for the English word yolk as in egg yolk. But if you say it's true that it's named for the word joke, I'll believe it. And for the cha-cha... Adopting Hangul as a writing system, I happen to know from the popular press, so it must be true, that somebody in Indonesia did that. I don't know if it was the cha-cha, but somebody had help input from some friendly Koreans and did adopt Hangul as a writing system. And you can probably read about it on the internet. So I'm going to say that one is true, too. The Sesotho one, I'm pretty sure is not true. So I believe what you said was that they have this complex numeral system and speakers usually use English numerals, right? Okay, well, those can't be called speakers, so that must be false. Okay. Wow. <laughs> Sherry? <laughs> okay, I totally didn't follow that last thing that Keith said. Well, because is... speakers would know the numerals. Come on, nobody borrows numerals or anything. Yeah, come on, that's got to be false. No, I like it, actually. <laughs> Besides, I want to disagree with you. And I want to disagree with myself by agreeing with Bill, because I can't agree <laughs> with Bill. This time I've used the standardized test method of arriving at the answers. And I used to be really good at standardized tests, so I, I'm feeling pretty confident. So here I go. So this Sosotho thing, I think this is believable if stupid. And it's <laughs> sort of so stupid that it can't be the one. And besides, I think it'd be cool. And I can sort of get this, you know, it's one-ish, it's two-ish, it's three-ish, it's four-ish, it's five-ish. Oh, I have 
five and one. Oh, I have five and two. So I get the, the six, six to nine verb. And then by the time you do all that, you're exhausted. And so 10 might as well be a noun. So I like that. I think it's a good idea. <laughs> I numeral think do fatigue. <laughs> yeah. Numeral fatigue. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Hangul is at the opposite. And I just think that's a really good idea. And maybe we should do it too. Besides anything with Hangul is super great. And so even if that happens not to be the one, and I always forget how this goes. These, <laughs> these, these rules that Trey has, I think, are bunk because I can never quite remember if it's two lies, one lie. But, Four but I, lies. I can... <laughs> That's it. Yeah. Is it there that could be it, at least seven or eight lies in there could be, but I do know that an adjective number of these are lies, right? <laughs> so it's a countable number anyway. It's, it's a countable number. And I like Hangul, and I want that one to be true, and it feels good to me. So that's on the other end of the kingdom. This yoke thing, okay, so is it wrong that I have this spelled here, and I think it's Y-O-K-E? Because I don't think that's the way, if you're going to, I don't like that. And I don't think the silent <laughs> E ought to be there, because then it would be yoke, and then that doesn't mean joke, and then it's just, that's just dumb. So, but it's not quite as dumb in a complicated way. You're all with me, right? It's not quite as dumb <laughs> in a complicated way as number two. So that is the one that's the lie. Okay. Wait a minute. Which one are you voting for? <laughs> well, if I can just confuse you with it, then I get credit either way, right? I'm voting for the yoke one. <laughs> okay. Or against the yoke one or whatever that is. All right. Jason? I think, you know, I was trying to take notes and yet still, um, I think I might be agreeing with Bill and Sherry if I remember it correctly. I agree with Sherry definitely that numerals are stupid. All numeral systems are stupid and I hate them all. <laughs> although although I do want to just drop in that I am all about that base 10. <laughs> and then I was wondering, is the noun for 10 in Sesotho a countable noun? Totally. Totally. Okay. See, it makes uh, really good sense that way, doesn't it? Sure. Yeah. So, I mean, that might as well be true because why would anybody even make up garbage like that? Numerals are just dumb enough oh. um wait you, gotta, you are not to make you doubt yourself but this is trey we're talking about here he's capable of making up really 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 weird things well <laughs> capable but well and hangul I, I, again i think i'm agreeing with sherry i mean why wouldn't you adopt hangul as your writing system given the option but clearly i think this is really what everybody was alluding to in their previous answers yoke clearly isn't english it's swedish so that one has got to be <laughs> you caught him on a technicality that then that's what there is the yoke. That's pretty clear to me. <laughs> Maybe it was a Swedish person who heard the talk piscine. And now you've alienated our Swedish audience, too. Where <laughs> what about our South guests? African audience? Where do you get these guests, Trey? Saying how horrible their <laughs> Sesotho is. <laughs> okay, well. I don't like Swedish numbers either. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's fair. Or cha-cha numbers. As best as I could determine, it is in fact pronounced Chio Chio. How did you go about determining Ch -ch -ch that? Did it involve the internet? Uh, the Wall Street Journal. Was that Ch -ch -ch Chia? <laughs> <laughs> I told you this was true. All right, go ahead. Break the bad news to us. Okay. Well, we'll start with number three. Number three is in fact true. Keith did read about it on the internet. <laughs> there was a Korean educational institution that decided to help these folks put together a writing system, and they did develop a writing system based on Hangul. However, the bad news is they abandoned the project in 2012. Oh. oh. The answer you gave us was incomplete. Well, yes, those are the best kinds. <laughs> if you have all the information, then you'd probably know the answer. 
So that's a damn lie, then. <laughs> no, it's true. That was that's, bunk. That one's linguistics. That's a damn truth. <laughs> okay. Okay. Item number two about Sesotho with its uh, complex numeral system is in fact true. No, it's not. It that's is. It might as well be. And that I have a reference for it. I, I actually went on the internet and found the book. It's called The Practical Method to Learn Sesotho, which is how I guess they spelled it in 1906. It's by a guy named Jacotet. Somebody asked if the noun for tens is countable, and I believe it is because you do 20 is, is, you know, the tens are two. Then I did try extra hard to lead you astray with the yoke pronunciation, which as I believe Sherry pointed out, it is probably pronounced yoke, because other names for that language are also yoki and yauke, and the Tokpasin word for joke seems to be giaman, not yoke. So, number one is in fact the one that is false. This is so unfair. I hereby gloat. (laughs) That was a performative. I see. (laughs) And he he gloats in a very resonant space, which he really does. Well, as long as we're gloating, let's point out that now Sherry is still in first place. Uh, And I hereby gloat twice. (laughs) Or in an adjective kind of way, twice. With 62%. I'm in second place with 53%. Bill, you're in third place with 47%. And Ooh, this is sounding bad. Yeah, Keith, you're forty percent. Oh, forty. That's oh, wait, wait. How far am I behind Bill? Seven uh, percent. Oh, oh, I can make that up. That's, that's only one. Yeah. How many more chances do I get? <laughs> let, let me try that one again. Okay. <laughs> and Jason, through no fault of your own, the guests have thirty-six percent. Those who've come before you did not do as well as you have done so far. Okay. <laughs> bringing up the average, though. They were probably number people. <laughs> well, they probably made the mistake of not just doing whatever Sherry did if they didn't know the answer. Well, yes! I know better. I know better than not to just go along with whatever Sherry does. See, with a name like Jason Wells Jensen, he better do what Sherry says. <laughs> I agree. I think that's wise, wise, wise. <laughs> All right. So that's it for Lies, Damn Lies, and Linguistics. And we'll be back after a word from our sponsor with some linguistic news. This is Erica Okrent, and you're listening to Language Made Difficult. For decades, Speculative Grammarian has been the premier scholarly journal featuring research in a neglected field of satirical linguistics, and now it is available in book form. Introducing the Speculative Grammarian Essential Guide to Linguistics. We wish we were kidding, but no, seriously, we've published a large collection of Specgram articles, along with just enough new material to force obsessive collectors and fans to buy it, regardless of the cost. Despite this fact, we aren't really charging that much for the thing, just $12.99. Metric pricing in pounds or euros is available as well, and has been provided by the metric interns. Visit specgram.com slash book and order your copy today. Contents packaged by wit, not volume. Some settling may occur during shipping. Welcome back, everybody. Everyone likes a story with a phoenix figure, someone who comes back from the brink of extinction. We like athletes that do this. We like heroes that do this. In comic books, we like superheroes that do this. Sometimes so much, we just go ahead and name them after the trope and make them do it again and again and again. Heck. We even like villains that do this, as long as they aren't contagious or voiced by Gilbert Godfrey. So it's not surprising that linguists like languages that make a comeback. We love to share stories about the revival of languages like Maori and Hebrew and keep hoping we can add more to the list, even if they have voiceless lateral fricatives. Now, inevitably, there are people who want to revive Indo-European a language whose own speakers exerted enormous and largely successful effort to get away from. (laughs) 
As undergraduate linguistic students know, different groups of speakers employ different means to do this. Italic and Indo-Iranian speakers use long-distance migration. Tokarians used extra long-distance migration. <laughs> the Hellenes developed cognate stealthing technology. And the Celts <laughs> resorted to outright mutation. <laughs> but <laughs> the authentically and lyrically named Sokati is here to say that IE shall rise again. It has a grammar with syntax and morphology and more morphology. It has a lexicon. It has a pronunciation guide. And according to the group's website, it already has a framework to limit contributors' potential legal exposure, presumably to deal with any injuries resulting from attempting to follow the pronunciation guide. <laughs> So, the Ngu organization, hero or villain, zero grade or O grade? <laughs> Can I just hear you say that name of the organization three times fast before we No, because it will hurt. <laughs> I, I'm still not well, sure. Could you how to spell say it, it for us, Bill? D N G H U. All right, and the H is uh, breathy, so it's D Ngu. And that presumably refers to, it's, it's a word. It's tongue. Tongue. Hmm. Looks just like it. Yeah. <laughs> That's what you will injure by saying that, right? <laughs> right. So these folks, what they want to do is revive Indo-European. That's what you're getting at. Yes. Yes. They have done an updated grammar of Indo-European. They have materials where you can learn it. And it's like Esperanto, but not user-friendly. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was thinking, is that they're trying to do one hard thing, which is create an auxiliary language like Esperanto, and another hard thing, which is reconstructing a proto-language, and then an extra hard thing, which is proto-Indo-European and laryngeals and stuff, and trying to cram all that together. And it's just, uh So to answer your earlier question, that would make them a zero. A zero grade. Or a zero grade, yes. Zero grade. But well, I don't know. I mean, they're they're giving away the book. There's a PDF on that their website. Point. That's that an eight grade. <sighs> And I, see, that could be a classic villain maneuver, though. <laughs> <laughs> but if you did this, then you could write everything with stars in front of it your whole time. Every sentence would get a star, right? Because it's reconstructed. And wouldn't that be fun? I think would every fun. word get a star or every sentence? Ooh. Oh, let's do every word. <laughs> I mean, you could just do one at the beginning of the paragraph and say that it carries, you know. No, 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 no. I think and they should be little gold sticky on stars just because if I'm going to have to go through... <laughs> <laughs> then, then I want little gold sticky on stars. I think everybody does. I think their real barrier is pronunciation yeah. because it's incredibly difficult to come out with those zero grade things. I mean, maybe with lots of practice, it would become easier. I'm willing to believe that. But that is kind of a hurdle. Something did kill some of those people. You know? <laughs> well, yes. And I mean, it's the only time I know of that there's been a public performance that got many viewers was the movie Prometheus, where we found out that the one thing Indo-European will do is completely annoy a just woken up alien. Do <laughs> <laughs> You know, they actually did a version of their book that had a tie-in to the Prometheus film. Oh. Trying to ride on the coattails. Yeah, they have an engineer version. So the, okay. the, those characters were the engineers. Yeah. Like you said, they're giving it away for free. I don't think that's going to help. <laughs> I don't think that's enough. Maybe they should be paying, paying people. people. Exactly. I'm looking at their website, which I would urge our listeners to do too. 
it's <laughs> cool dot org. Let <laughs> 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 you see that they say we are joined by a mean of five new members per year. <laughs> the other thing that made me sort of wonder is, you know, there's that line about potential legal exposure, which doesn't automatically suggest itself for a language revitalization <laughs> age. <laughs> and, you know, I couldn't help but think, is this some, um, like, Indo-European supremacist group or something? <laughs> Why is that there? They, <laughs> in their frequently asked questions, they did actually say that it was not their goal, one of their, one of their non-goals. They are not trying to separate all the speakers of languages descended from Proto-Indo-European against the other half of Europe. So they're not... Indo-European supremacists. No, and their their constitution is machine translated into Thai. It's one of the things that I noticed, which I thought was really beautiful and open-minded. <laughs> and it's probably in very lyrical Thai also. <laughs> I just want to hear a Thai speaker say, Ndugu. <laughs> so, uh, Bill, did you, in preparing to lead this discussion, what comments did you get from the chairman or whatever they have of this organization? How do All they right. respond to your queries? You mean I was supposed to actually ask them questions? <laughs> well, well, sure. I mean, you must have at least written to ask, you know, what are benefits of membership or how many people are somewhat. Look, I am, I, I am approaching this, uh, the web page, as a text upon which to exercise my critical faculties. And <laughs> one of the first principles of any literary criticism is that the intentions of the authors are irrelevant. <laughs> that is correct. Okay. It is a principle which is bandied about. Well, what do we think? Is this a good idea to revive Indo-European? <laughs> no. <laughs> Why not? Come on. I think it's Hebrew? like Earth, mostly harmless. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody likes revived Hebrew. What's wrong with this? <sighs> well, at least with Hebrew, there were a significantly sized group of people who had some exposure to ancient Hebrew you know, as part of their culture, and they were also motivated to revive Hebrew. I don't think that there's anybody who's all that motivated to revive a version of Indo-European. Now, they call it modern Indo-European. In the lexicon, they have the Proto-Indo-European reconstructed forms, and then they have their modern forms, which are somewhat adapted, but still have all the nasty laryngeals and all that stuff. I can just imagine, you know, it's one of these things where there's going to be a schism over, you know, <laughs> I don't like the way that you've done the, the laryngeals, you know, is H1 just a glottal stop or is it an H or is it sometimes one or the other or something else or both or, you know, and there's really nobody to settle these things. I mean, as I recall, there was someone who was an authority on modern Hebrew who they would go to when they needed new words, who was respected by the community. And then, of course, like for something like Esperanto, you know, Zamenhof could say, this is the right answer. And you would go, okay. But given all the theoretical axes that people have to grind about reconstructed PIE, I don't think MIE is going to be much better. I think it's all bunk. Because there's no like Mark Okren of PIE is what you're saying. Well, we need no, because with, with Esperanto or other conlangs, they're, they're created out of whole cloth, even if they're inspired by certain things. But you sort of have to take a theoretical stand about Proto-Indo-European and the reconstructions and then work from there. And other people are going to disagree with you on, on your starting point. I don't think we should overlook the possibility that the whole thing is performance art. Because <laughs> as I was sort of trying to make the website go from my office... And maybe this is my office Wi-Fi and maybe it's them. I don't know. But it did seem like maybe the whole 
website was powered by oxen or something. <laughs> <laughs> so I think maybe that's a possibility that, you know, they we shouldn't overlook. Doesn't this seem like to follow up on the oxen theme? Doesn't it seem like a fertile ground for, you know, linguists to have more things to do, right? I mean, they've got this association that needs linguists to come and uh, give them tips on pronunciation and, you know, refine bits of the grammatical description. And I don't know, this looks like an employment opportunity to me. Well, and maybe if you are in, say, an English department with lots of literature folks, say if you're the only little lost linguist in an English department with lots of good literature people, this might be a, little, a nice little side project for you. Maybe we should be more encouraging because, you know, old English, well, that's all very well, but I'm going back even further. And nothing will help them actually agree on how to pronounce laryngeals like getting more than one historical linguist working on it. <laughs> well, they could have a little conference and hear yeah. all 57 opinions and then pick one. We could fund the conference. We'd get people there. I think this is all going to be really good for a dozen or two assistant professors who are feeling isolated and don't have colleagues. And they could just do this conference. And everyone in the department will go, wow, that's really cool. <laughs> I it's don't really know. complicated and cool. Did you guys see that they already have a deprecated version of <laughs> from 2008? So they were pretty fierce about it too. It said it in the header and it said it in the description. They were very fierce about it. I didn't see it. What does it say? <laughs> they have a version, an earlier version of the modern Indo-European that has been deprecated. It's from 2008. And so clearly <laughs> it's they old. have. It's it's old. <laughs> it's old. Yeah, but they're clearly <laughs> having difficulties getting it right. A whole group from the committee split off and headed <laughs> eastwards into Central Asia and up towards Mongolia and is now working in a totally different area, changing the language, as one does. I don't know. They seem to just be so deliberately obtuse about certain things. We're just totally overlooking the fact that it's so difficult to pronounce. I actually downloaded the grammar and looked at it. They have eight cases. They have particles and adverbs, Bill's two favorite categories. They have active, middle, passive, and impersonal voices, present, aorist, perfect, and future tenses, indicative, precative, subjunctive, optative, and imperative moods. They have eight usages, including distinctions between feintive, intensive, progressive, and frequentative. To me, the fact that there's so many cases and there's a subjunctive is enough reason to just stay away. But all that other stuff, too. <laughs> it's clearly performance art. It's a conlang. It's adorable. But, but that is what reconstructed Proto-Indo-European I know. Like. That's what they've done, yeah. So now that's just being true to the scholarship. Yeah. You know? To the source material. But the point is that, yeah, I mean, there's all that stuff in there that just would be so difficult. You know, that just makes learning a language so difficult. And getting to the point that it's a conlang, right? Since it's both constructed and reconstructed, I think we should call it a reconlang. <laughs> yeah. That would work. But just this one time, and then we should never speak of it again. <laughs> all of those things you mentioned, though, about all the multiplication of categories, I think one of their other problems is that anyone who would sort of like to become really good at this language is probably going to learn SQL instead. <laughs> I, if you're going to make distinctions, why not go for broke, right? Did you say SQL? SQL. Oh, okay. SQL. Oh, SQL. It's a conlang that's designed to have an extremely large number of distinctions so that you can compact a lot of uh, information into a very short space. It's one of those ones that you give your new morphology students when you want them to look up lots of things. 
Go find out what all these words mean, then translate this sentence for me and make it mean what I tell you to make it mean. Not that I would ever do that because that would be mean. <laughs> That'd be more mean than it is fun, so we shouldn't do it. <laughs> hmm. I don't know. Does anybody really think this is a good idea? <laughs> I think it's an interesting idea, but not necessarily a good one. <laughs> it keeps people off the streets if that's what they're doing. <laughs> I agree with Bill. It's mostly harmless, I think. Right. Though, I thought it was interesting that in their frequently asked questions, one of them is, should I learn this language? And they actually say, no, you should probably study English. (laughs) I think they said maybe. Didn't they say maybe? They're like, well, you could learn English or something else that's spoken, but you could learn it if you want to. I thought that was sort of sweet. You could be one of the five people who likes us every year. (laughs) Okay. So the question is, I want to learn a second language. Should I learn Indo-European? And the answer is maybe. We recommend you to learn English better if it's not your mother tongue or any other present-day Indo-European popular language as you probably just want to communicate more easily with foreigners. Well, they may have just said that to limit potential legal exposure. (laughs) (laughs) All the people with the sprained tongues. I like their FAQ. So number 11 says, but Mr. X, parentheses, a famous linguist, politician, philologist, etc. you trust, close parentheses, has stated that Proto-Indo-European is an invention. So then their answer is, well, you can believe whatever you want. (laughs) We don't enter in the unending field of personal opinions and ideas. (laughs) Fair enough. Look, if you're trusting... their head screwed on right. (laughs) If you're trusting a politician, philologist, or linguist, you've got enough trouble there. It was one of those classic frequently asked question lists because I thought, ooh, frequently asked questions. Good. I've got several questions about this. And really, maybe I don't ask the frequent questions, but nothing that I was asking turned up to be on the list. (laughs) (sighs) Actually, what you should do is just, you know, to the question, what is our collective judgment of this? You then just dub in that sigh you did. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I'm not that negative. But anyway, yeah. I still like the idea of writing everything with stars. I just think that'd be that'd be that nice. Would be, yeah. It would make everybody feel better, I think. <laughs> One sort of problem about this, I guess, is that those reconstructions are kind of algebraic abstractions. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And actually attaching pronunciations to them lends them a different kind of realism than they get when you're looking at them and there are numbers under the laryngeals and so forth. Mm-hmm. It does give me hope that they have an institute, though, because that means that whatever institute I might want to start isn't such an outlier. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think it's a hopeful, beautiful thing that they've got going here, and it means that I can pretty much do anything I want because I'm not that far out on the edge. <laughs> You can make all sorts of conlangs, and if anybody says, isn't this too difficult, you can look at them and say, it's less difficult than who? (laughs) 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 I think I'm getting to where I can say that. (laughs) (laughs) Keith, come back. Come back from the edge. Come back. (laughs) But one of the things is, if you're doing it as a conlang or as performance art, that's one thing. But, I mean, they state that their goals or to teach it as a second language for all European citizens, right? Yeah, because Finns are really going to want to learn that. (laughs) (laughs) That's a little bit over the top. Yeah. They also say that they want it to become the main international auxiliary language to reduce present-day communication and cultural barriers. 
can they really, even in their wildest dreams, think this is going to have the penetration outside of Europe that English has? Well, no, they don't think that because they already said, you know, no, if you can learn a second language, start with English. That's just a stopgap, though. I mean, because later when English dies, we'll still have goof. They're giving advice to people now to learn English, but they say one of the questions is when and how do you expect modern Indo-European to succeed? And they say we expect it to acquire some official status within the European Union in the long term, maybe 20 to 40 years. And if it became official in any possible way in 10 to 20 years, it'd be a great success for Europe. Mm -hmm. And so they do seem to think that this is going to succeed. You know, they compare it to Hebrew and they say it took, um, you know, 40 years after Hebrew's proposal to be revived for it to actually become the official language of Israel. So I don't know. They're just taking the long view. <laughs> yeah. I can see making an argument that English won't be the lingua franca in 40 years that it is now, but <laughs> come on. Something with laryngeals in eight cases. I mean, if Esperanto can't catch on, <laughs> how is anybody going to do this? Esperanto doesn't have the little stars. <laughs> <laughs> and how many tones do they have? It's non-tonal, right? <laughs> well, it's not it's got, that hard. It's got that going for it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Shoot. You know what, Sherry? Yeah. The Esperanto flag does, in fact, have a little green star on it. <gasps> I didn't know that. I was pretty sure there were stars in Esperanto. Not as many. But maybe, you know, after a week or two, you'd probably get tired of all the stars. <laughs> just having one on the flag behind is probably enough. <laughs> well, I guess as long as I get to keep a star, maybe I'm willing to walk away from this a little bit. <laughs> we'll have to see how easy it is to make lyrics up in it and put them to ukulele music. And if you can do that with it, then I think it's got some chance. <laughs> then it'll have a future. Yeah. Wow, that is an awesome idea. Something that actually sounds worse than the ukulele to accompany it. <laughs> I was about to say, that'll speed up migration right there. <laughs> How did we end up in the Taquamakan Desert? Just remember the ukuleles, the horror of the ukuleles. <laughs> if you learn to say, Ngoo, <laughs> which I have not yet, <laughs> I will stop playing the ukulele. <laughs> you guys are heartless 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 mocking <laughs> okay so i think that's enough of that we'll be back after a word from our sponsors with some linguistic parlor games language made difficult is brought to you by semeticus press semeticus press purveyors of influential publications in linguistics since 1945 Visit our website today to discover the joys of linguistics freed from theoretical confines and open to the progress that only total lack of inhibition allows. All right, welcome back to Language Made Difficult. Somebody wake up, Jason. It's time for some linguistic parlor games. <laughs> welcome back, Jason. <clears throat> Hi. Yes. Okay. <laughs> so answer is 42. <laughs> that is the correct answer, but the wrong question. That's how it goes, isn't it? Yeah. Today I've got uh, two games of hopefully some reasonable level of amusement for us to try out. The first game is frequentatives. And just to remind everybody, frequentative forms of a word are used to indicate repeated action. The frequentatives are no longer productive in English, but English did have an L-E and E-R as frequentative suffixes back in the day. And so the idea here is that it's your job to figure out the source of the frequentative. So I'll give you a frequentative like chatter, and then you have to figure out the source verb that it came from, which in that case is just chat. 
So some of them are really obvious and easy, and we'll be skipping all those. <laughs> Shoot, I was looking forward to this after the example. <laughs> yeah, and I'll be keeping score. <laughs> oh, wait a minute. Oh, it's, it's Trace keeping score again. Okay, okay. okay. Yes, with the heart. Okay. So the root of that is sco. <laughs> Plus one for Jason. <laughs> so uh, the first one we have is burble. Anyone? I, Anyone? I want it to be bourbon, please, but I don't suppose <laughs> it is. That's a good answer, but not correct. Don't I get a point for it? It's a good answer. I have to be right. Okay, sure. We'll have a very loose scoring system. <laughs> is it from Barbarian? No. Lewis Carroll made that word up in that one poem. No, that's chortle. Well, oh, burble's from- in there too. Burp. I think burp is correct. Burp. Nice. Uh, All right. So then we have clamber. Uh, clamber. I'm guessing claim quickly because that <laughs> could have been a slip of the tongue. <laughs> no. <laughs> think. What do you do when you clamber? You climb. That is correct. I mean, climbable. Actually, I just sort of helplessly slide to the bottom of whatever <laughs> I'm trying to get over. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, dribble. Drive. Drive. Drip. <laughs> Who said drip? That Jason? Said drip. That is correct. Uh, Sherry, Sherry said drip too, I guess. Yeah, team effort. It was a group. And, I, and I knew she was right, so. <laughs> so he agreed with me. <laughs> All right. Dazzle. Daze. That is correct. Whoa. Flutter. Fly. No, flit. Flute. Flout. Flow. <laughs> Flirt. Just keep cramming vowels in there. You'll get it eventually. <laughs> Float. That is correct. Oh, Flute. 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 I bet she said flout. Oh, okay. I didn't say flout. I wanted it to be flout. Flute. Okay. It's Sherry's float. a flautist, you know. It's float. It's uh, float, yeah. All right. It's because I'm a bad flautist. That's, I didn't get that right. <laughs> All right, glimmer. Glimpse. Gleam. 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 Hey, Keith gets a point finally. That wasn't me. I just didn't say anything. <laughs> okay. Did you hear the Keith? echo? That was Bill. I thought Bill said it, and then Keith said it. I was going to give him credit. Oh, I didn't say it at all. No, that okay. was the echo. All right. I'm letting the other ones get started before All right, I, uh, so now I... Bill's echo has one more point than Keith. <laughs> <laughs> Jostle? Joust. Joust. Joust is correct, yeah. That was me, I got it. That was Keith, got that one, yeah. Nice. Nuzzle? Nose. Yeah, I thought oh. that was going to be a hard one. Wow. Oh. I think we should go back to saying nozzle. I think that's way better. Nozzle. <laughs> or nostril. Yeah, nozzle. No, that's not better. <laughs> no, it's totally not better. <laughs> All right, piddle. P. Not quite. Piss. Yep. <laughs> Jason, taking one for the team. <laughs> can I can I say that on a podcast? <laughs> I guess you have to. <laughs> the FCC doesn't listen. Yeah. I grew up in the era of broadcast television, so I <laughs> I don't think that's one of the seven words you're not allowed to say. Hmm. Okay, how about prattle? Prate. Prada. <laughs> <laughs> Prate is correct. Who said that? Bill and I sat together. Prate. Prate. What? That's not even a word. You made that up. It is a word. It means prattle. (laughs) (laughs) Dictionary. I'm writing. Prat one. Right. So if you prat a lot, you're prattling. One iteration of a prattle. (laughs) Huh. Okay. So here's a hard one. (laughs) Pucker. Puke. (laughs) Poke. Poke is correct. Poke. Really? Poke? Because you're poking your lips out when you pucker. Oh, poke. no. But no. excellent folk etymology. I want to go back to you, you you pucker when you puke. That seems like a really bad idea. <laughs> <laughs> you want to open the orifice wide <laughs> so things can get out. 
Because oh, you're trying to get distance. <laughs> distance and accuracy. <laughs> okay. Oh, um, it's actually, Pucker is probably from Pock, which is a dialect variation on poke, meaning a bag. Oh. In a poke. Uh, Picking a poke, yeah. It's like pursing. Yeah. Yeah. Pursing My etymology makes much more sense. It's inaccurate, <laughs> but it makes much more sense. All the best ones do. <laughs> All right, puddle? To pode. <laughs> Purred. A, a verb which has since gone extinct. <laughs> Pad. About pool. Pool is correct. Oh, nice. There was some dissimulation there. Yep. I like it. Yep. Russell? Rouse. Yeah. Oh, rouse. Oh, nice. Scuttle? Scoot. No. What? What do you mean no? It's a really good one. Okay, good scud. Answer. Scud is correct. <laughs> Scud. Only cloud scud. Nothing else scuds. Well, that's not anymore in our uh, soon-to-be-out-of-date dictionary. <laughs> <laughs> Just slightly out of date, please. <sighs> Why wait to get an out-of-date dictionary when you can get an out-of-date dictionary now? <laughs> wait, I think that might have been next episode, not this episode. <laughs> All right, Slither? Slide. Slide? Oh, slide is correct. Keith, you're in, pulling into the lead. Catching up. Spackle? Spec. Spec. Nice. Hmm. Spatter. Spit. Yep. Straddle. Stride. 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 Yep. Keith got that one. All right. Here we go. Swaddle. Swath. Yep. Ooh, good one. All right. Are you looking these up on Wikipedia, Keith? <laughs> yeah, I can type faster than you can say them. <laughs> <laughs> All right. This one's timely in our modern age. Twitter. Tweet. Tweet. It does tweet. come from tweet. Yeah. Does it really? Yep. It's boring. And waddle. Wade. Wade. Yep. That was Bill. And Wiggle? Wag. Wag. Yep. Yep. Very good. Keith, you came out on top. Oh, yes. <laughs> it's the Popple. first time ever. <laughs> Write it down. All right. You can definitely see a pattern there, right? There's a lot of voiceless consonants at the end become voice. There's vowel changes, some dissimulation. It's amusing. Yeah. And uh, the incorrect guesses were more amusing. It is amusing. All right. Yeah. Okay. So those were all the ones that weren't really obvious. There actually is a wiki page on frequentatives and it just has a list mm. among other information it has a list of ones in English. Mm. So anybody who's interested can just hit that wiki page. And it will make you laugh. <laughs> and chuckle. Chuckle. Yeah. <laughs> right. But anyway, there are a bunch that are, that are just straightforward LE and ER editions, uh, but then there's some more interesting ones. All right. So let's try another game. This one, I'm not going to tell you what's going on until we're done. How is that new? Okay. <laughs> well, this time I'm actually going to tell you what's going on. When we're done, as opposed to never. Oh. <laughs> oh, great. Okay. This is a word recall game. So I will give you a long list of words, and each of you will get your own lists, because otherwise you'd you know, start memorizing the same list if you hear it over and over again. And then your goal is to say it back to me, all right? Without... If it's all right. Without, yeah, no writing things down or anything. Just, you know, just listen and then say them back. <sighs> okay, Trey, I'm not writing anything down. <laughs> <laughs> Does typing count? Yes. Typing is disallowed. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just drumming with my fingertip. <laughs> okay. Okay. Should we let our guest go first? Oh, please. All right, Jason, you ready? Okay. All right, here we go. Hot. Snow. Warm. Winter. Ice. Wet. Frigid. Chili, 
heat, weather, freeze, air, shiver, arctic, frost. Go. <laughs> Hot. Um. Winter. Do we have to do them in order? They don't have to be in order, no. Oh! Oh! oh. Sorry. <laughs> I thought you weren't going to tell us what's going on until the end. <laughs> Shiver, chill, warm, weather, frost, arctic. Uh, yeah, that's it. Okay. <laughs> All right, Keith, you ready? Go. All right. Bed, rest, awake. Tired, dream, wake, snooze, blanket, doze, slumber, snore, nap, peace, yawn, drowsy. Go. (laughs) Uh, Bed, blanket, nap, awake, slumber, peace, drowsy, comforter, (laughs) 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 alarm (laughs) clock. (laughs) <laughs> All right, I'm done. Okay. <laughs> Snooze <laughs> and snozzle. <laughs> okay. That's nozzle. Uh, should we keep going, or is, uh, this one isn't really working out? <laughs> not, not really. Okay. Well, we could try Sherry. I don't know. It's maybe kind of fun. maybe Sherry's yeah. smarter than the rest of you. Okay. <laughs> I don't think right. so. Because I don't get the pattern okay. yet, though it, it feels really ickly like there is a pattern, <laughs> but it's one of those, like, I can't quite wake up. It's, it's just reading out of the, you know, the OCD, the uh, OCD, the uh, semantic, <laughs> semantic codes. What are they called? <laughs> OCM, organization, uh, list of cultural materials. You know that? Anyway, it's just this big thesaurus. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> But is it already out of date? <laughs> oh, yeah. I thought it was more like one of those DSM things. I feel kind of like there's a psychology <laughs> test here going there's, on. Yeah, yeah. There's a diagnosis coming. <laughs> well, see, that's what's going so badly. Is uh, Now that we know the truth about Jason and Keith, it's just all downhill. <laughs> <laughs> all right. No, I'm worried that this is bunk, but we'll try. We'll keep going. Sherry, you want to go next? Okay, okay. I'm ready. I'm ready. Um, I'm- here we go. I got my memory palace warmed up here, but I don't think okay. it's going to help me. <laughs> Table, sit, legs, seat, couch, desk, recliner, sofa, wood, cushion, swivel, stool, sitting, rocking, bench. Go. Um, Table... Oh, golly, was chair there? I can't remember. Table, chair, legs, sit, uh, couch, wood. I've lost it. Um, recliner, swivel, was stool there? Wood? Uh, I want there to be, I want cushion to be there because I'm getting more and more uncomfortable. And I want something <laughs> soft. <laughs> Did I say stool? Three times. <laughs> Three times? Excellent. Stool. And then there was stool, legs. <laughs> Couch, I said couch, couch, I said couch. Desk. Desk and recliner were definitely there. I think that's all I got. Okay. Bill? Better not count those ones she uh. <laughs> <laughs> 
I think I get credit for legs each time because I, I remembered it freshly each time I said it. <laughs> like I didn't even have to be reminded. <laughs> no, I didn't. All right, Bill, you ready? As much as I will be. Okay. Hard, light, pillow, plush, loud, cotton, fur, touch, fluffy, feather, furry, downy, kitten, skin, and tender. Furry, fluffy, kitten, skin, tender, hard, light, incunabula? <laughs> Insouciant. <laughs> Bunk. I don't like the way you but said Downey, kitten and then skin right Downey away. Was, Downey was in there. There was that stretch of scary things like Downey and kitten. <laughs> okay. Did these come out of a George Lakoff book? <laughs> they did not. <laughs> okay. Sherry was the only one to uh, appropriately respond. Whoa. <laughs> really? Who knew? You said the idea was that you had to say leg stool four times? <laughs> this is the. Deese Rodiger McDermott paradigm. Oh. Also called the DRM paradigm. The DRM paradigm. Yep. It was almost like DSM. Say more. <laughs> and the idea is that there is usually a, a reasonably good chance that people will recall a target word that is related to all of those words, but isn't actually in the list. Oh. And so for Jason, the word was cold. For Keith, the word was sleep. For Bill, the word was soft. And for Sherry, the word was chair. She actually said chair. I said chair second because I had this pattern in my head that I thought we were going table, then something beside the table, then the legs of the table were under the table, then whatever was the fourth word was something that was under the second word in my head in the picture I was making. So a chair had to be there. Right. But it wasn't. <laughs> okay. It so wasn't. now that we've disproven this theory, do we get to publish that or something? <laughs> I think given our small sample size, the error bars are okay. It um, <laughs> can be up to 50% for some of the series. I actually read online someone suggested this would be a humorous linguistic parlor game. <laughs> was it? <laughs> it was kind of humorous, but not for the right reasons. <laughs> but there's a paper called Creating False Memories, Remembering Words Not Presented in Lists. And in the appendix at the end, there are a couple dozen examples of lists that you can try out on your friends and family. Which you have now done. Yes, I did actually test this on my family and my wife got one of them. But then she sort of figured out what was going on. My daughter got every one of them every time, even after she knew what was happening. She would still get the list and remember the one that she wasn't supposed to. Doesn't it matter how you try to remember them? So if you do this thing where you're making the picture of all the items, you're more likely to include it, I think, than if you're doing a thing where you're just remembering words. Yeah, it's hard to say. It is hard to say. <laughs> or if you start with a mnemonic, like I started with, like when Jason's list, I started doing you know first letters of the words and kind of lining them. So I did way better on Jason's list than I did on mine. <laughs> yeah, it's hard to do that really fast on the fly. Mm -hmm. But clearly this is, you know, an idea of semantic priming, right? I mean, if you have all these words related to the target word, then, you know, you're more likely to think it's in there. Apparently, uh, frequently, people who come up with the incorrect word uh -oh. or the target word that isn't actually on the list are quite sure that it was there. Though I noticed, Sherry, you said chair. Was chair there? And then kept going. Mm-hmm. So you were not overly sure that it was actually there when it wasn't. It was in the picture, but I wasn't sure if it was sit or chair. Mm, sit was on the list, yeah. But she kept saying stool over and over and over again. <laughs> that accounted for in the theory? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it had something to do with all those puddles and things from that last game. Maybe I stools. I, I don't know. It was not nearly as laughable as the frequentatives. <laughs> 
So maybe I'll just laughle is a word that I'm going to start using. <laughs> I think there I needs to be a vowel change, so it should be something like liffle. Right. Ooh, but we could spell it with two f's that way, which would yeah. take care of another one of my issues. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's all the time we have for language made difficult. Thanks to Jason for joining us. Hey, thank you. To all of our listeners, join us next time when we'll delve deeply into the philosophy of language to determine whether or not there really is such a thing as an existential quantifier. Ha. Ha. They can't all be winners. (laughs) Say to all 12 of our listeners. No, not. (laughs) Said to all of our listeners. Oh, okay, okay. It was that Texas accent. 12 of our listeners. 12 of our listeners. 12. Is that a noun? <laughs> no, it's no, a new no, girl. It's an adjective because it's ten and two more. So it's totally oh, an adjective. Sure. I believe the twelve is in fact a noun because it's a ten and then two units. Oh. That's how they do it. It's just wrong. Alright, is one of you a okay. semantician? Because what is the boundary between the category house and the category bowl? Very large bowl. <laughs> it's blurry, but Bowls are typically narrower at the bottom than the top, and houses are rarely characterized by that. <laughs> They're both sort of plus that kind of echo that you have, though. Right. <laughs> and, but they're both non-prototypically mugs. That's the important part about them, as Eleanor Roche would tell you. <laughs> uh, yeah, we're all here. I'm never all here. <laughs> Thank you for uh, making the first guaranteed outtake. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) Bill, are you calling from the little linguist's room? No, no. So I just wanted to remind everybody that uh, today's secret word of the day is... That's that technical use of the word remind, which means inform for the first time. (laughs) Inform for the first time. (laughs) On that note, can you remind me what secret word of the day means? Yes. (laughs) Oh, golly. So we're going to have to keep track. We are, but I will remind you. (laughs) No, you'll tell us again. That's different than remind. (laughs) (laughs) We've established what remind means. (laughs) We're using a platonic definition of remind where everyone already knows everything. They just have to remember it. Yeah. It was a very fast follow-on. I was reminding you that there was a secret word of the day, and in the same verb phrase, telling you what it was. Wow. You see, Jason, I told you, you got to be super fast. I was trying to be efficient. (laughs) Clearly, it didn't work at all. I was thinking that uh, at the end, I would add a little thing to tell people if they could identify the secret word of the day for the episode and email me, they could win a free copy of the book. So we have to use it, you know, at least once. (laughs) (laughs) Well, okay. Sounds good. This is Language Made Difficult, a counterfactual part of the Specgram podcast. Blip, blip, blip. Let's try it again. So I said, I don't know how I... Uh, isn't, it, isn't it welcome to welcome to language me? I've changed it up. What? Yes. Change? Change. You didn't, I quit. You didn't, you didn't remind us about that. This is going to go so quickly. <laughs> In cha-cha, the letter C actually represents a pharyngeal fricative. <laughs> it's pronounced... Yeah. <laughs> Jason, you should leave the car off so that the fumes don't come in. (laughs) (laughs) This is going incoherent fast. Just edit it out. I was in the TARDIS sleeping through two episodes at once. (laughs) So that makes no sense because that hasn't happened yet.